plans for my crazy day. My packed commute. All those unread emails in my inbox. But I'm getting stronger, faster, and pushing myself further every day. I don't care if I'm not like everyone else. This punching bag is the best way to end my day. <laughs> Whew. Fearless is knowing yoga isn't your style. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits at fepblue.org slash getmore. You are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's plate it on a Wednesday, May 31st into Thursday, June 1st. We flip the calendar over to the month of June. Welcome in, everybody, another edition of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one sports podcast network going on and growing Across this very country, whether it's locked on NFL teams, locked on NBA, this locked on Lions, give us a shout, listen to us, enjoy it. You're getting Lions content each and every day right here on Locked On Lions. Matt Derry with you. OTAs going on in Allen Park. Coming up on the program today here on Locked On Lions, the star so far of OTAs and a guy that has stood out. We'll talk about that and maybe one of the worst articles I've ever read. Written online on sportsonearth.com about the Lions and the NFL will tell you how it affects uh, us, uh, we here, uh, the Lions fans and, and listeners and everything else and, and reporters. It was a terrible take, but the article basically states that one of the Lions' positional groups is the worst in the NFL. To react to that as well, our guest today is Jeremy Reisman from prideofdetroit.com if you don't, if you've never heard of prideofdetroit.com they do a terrific job covering the lions uh their blog is uh, tremendous and uh, Jeremy does a great job with it managing editor of pride of detroit you can go to the uh, twitter page at pride of detroit and check out their work and that's where i uh, i saw the sports uh, sportsonearth.com article from a uh, Kenneth Arthur uh in regards to the lions and one of their positional groups we'll get into that Coming up momentarily. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Sometimes you do um, uh, podcasts and you have guests on and you look down and you go, oh man, uh, you know, I'm, I'm four or five hours into posting it and we've got 3,000 listens. Then there's other days where you look up and go, hmm, maybe it was a clunker. I thought yesterday's podcast, and if you missed it, please listen to it. But yesterday I talked a little bit about, the, a little bit about Dan Miller. Jim Brandstatter, mostly by Dan, Lions Radio, uh, Lions Games on the Radio, play-by-play, if you listen, what you think of Dan and everything else. And then I did my, uh, performed sort of my top 10 list of who I think are the best 10 play-by-play guys in the NFL. And I had Wayne Larrabee from the Packers, number one. Didn't really get a great response, so I'll I'll own it. I, I, I liked it. I'm a broadcasting geek, being an old radio guy. I'm an old play-by-play guy that did football in college at Syracuse and called some arena games here with the Fury. I love listening to different announcers. And I thought it would get a much bigger response in terms of uh, Facebook comments, tweets, and listens. And it did, and it, and it didn't. So I didn't think it was a clunker of a podcast. I thought it was fun. We posted it a bunch. But maybe for a lot of you, you either go to the games or you watch them on TV, and radio is very passe to you. But I'm one where, especially when I'm on the car in the car traveling on a Sunday, I'll tune into all the different announced teams. And 
get a feel for who I like and don't like. And maybe I'm just a geek like that. But uh, if you like that type of stuff, check out yesterday's podcast in which I uh, named my uh, top 10, uh, who I thought the top 10 uh, best NFL local radio play-by-play guys are. And also we had a discussion a little bit about Dan Miller, Jim Brandstatter, and how the Lions broadcast uh, shakes out and shapes, um, I don't know, kind of uh, is measured amongst around the league. I did not have Dan in the top 10. All right, uh, first and foremost, let's discuss OTAs. Today, the Lions had their second session of OTAs that was open to reporters. And all the beat writers that were there, Kyle Meinke, M Live, Dave Burkett from the Free, Paul LaPage, Oakland Press, uh, you know, 20 men, all these guys, uh, Justin Rogers from the Detroit News. And by the way, Justin Rogers visited Freddy's Pizza in Melvindale today on Allen Road, just five minutes from the uh, Lions facility, and said he had a great, uh, great time. So we love that. And uh, Stoney, Mike Stone, and I have been pushing all those guys to go see Freddie as much as we can. Uh, but all the beat writers are raving. Oh, they're lathered in that Kenny Galladay butter. Mm, that's right. Kenny Galladay. Third round pick that I thought the Lions reached for and I thought was a bit of a stretch coming out of Northern Illinois due to the fact that, number one, uh, many people had him projected as a fifth or sixth rounder. Maybe not the greatest of hands. Not the greatest route runner. Played in the, you know, in the MAC. Yet, Two straight weeks, all the writers are saying Kenny Galladay looks very, very good. Today, he caught a one-handed touchdown on a fade route in the back of the end zone as he's being interfered with by Johnson Batamosi. And again, if Johnson Batamosi is playing cornerback for the Lions this season during the season, then the Lions are in trouble. They've got enough corners now they don't need Batamosi playing. But today in practice, whatever. Batamosi was guarding uh, Kenny Galladay. And he made another terrific catch. He has not dropped a pass during OTAs that any of the writers at least have seen. And he has come out and played very, very well so far. 6-4, using that big frame. Um, Jim Caldwell asked about Galladay. said, yeah, he's one of those guys that really works at it. Obviously, we know he has the height and skill set to play the zip position. But like anything else with a young guy... Um, with a young guy, he's learning. But this is a pretty good rookie class, I think. I think it's going to be a pretty good rookie class. But Kenny Galladay, um, studying the playbook late, making plays in practice, wearing that number 19 new-look blue jersey, has been good so far. That's been a that's a great sign. If you really think about where the Lions are offensively, they don't have that big, speedy target. All right, Golden Tate a little bit undersized. Marvin Jones, eh. Not real fast. Eric Ebron, we know he can run for a tight end. Uh, Jace Billingsley, TJ Jones, Galladay, let's hope, can be a big speed target for Matthew Stafford and, uh, you know, um, get the job done and make some plays and take the spot of a very reliable receiver from last year and Anquan Bolden, whom the Lions let walk. Well, not let walk, but he is not, you know, I don't think the Lions have... Uh, offered him a contract, or maybe they have, but he he has not said he wants to sign here. And I think the Lions are moving on from him, so much so that Michael Roberts, the rookie tight end from Toledo, is wearing his jersey number, number 80. So great sign. I like seeing that about Kenny Galladay, and I hope I'm wrong about um, Galladay on draft day, for sure. Hey, join the Locked On Podcast Network if you'd like. Locked On Podcast Network is hiring a national sales manager. 
Be a part of the fastest growing sports podcast network, selling both the NBA channel and the NFL channel and the entire network to national advertisers. If you have the skills and the sales savvy, perseverance of the game to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, send an email to LockedOnPodcasts at gmail.com with your resume. That is LockedOnPodcasts with an S at gmail.com. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, I got to get to this article, and then we'll talk to Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit and get his thoughts on it. But I saw it on their site, and then they they posted it. Uh, It comes from sportsonearth.com, and uh, Kenneth Arthur, NFL writer, who also does some uh, work, I believe, out in Seattle. And he said he ranks the best NFL secondaries. So, of course, he's got, like, the Denver Broncos number one. Chris Harris, Akeem Talib, T.J. Ward, Darian Stewart, Bradley Roby. That is a loaded, loaded secondary. The Seahawks with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas when healthy, Cam Chancellor, Jeremy Lane, uh, uh, Bradley McDougald. They've got a really good secondary out there. And they, of course, also have a Delano Hill, ex of the Michigan Wolverines. New England secondary, number three, Malcolm Butler, Stephon Gilmore, Eric Rowe, Devin McCourty, Patrick Chung. Uh, Duran Harmon, Cyrus Jones, list goes on and on. Giants with a just a beast of, with Landon Collins, arguably the best safety in the game. Eli Apple, DRC, Janoris Jenkins. And at number five, the Vikings. Xavier Rhodes, Terrence Newman, who's 50 years old. Harrison Smith, Andrew Sandejo, Mackenzie Alexander, Trey Waynes, and J. Ron uh, Curse. And then, of course, you know you continue with, with you know the Cardinals, the Patrick Peterson, and the Honey Badger, the Chiefs with Eric Berry and Marcus Peters. You you, you keep scrolling down, and you're like, well, when, when's the Lions secondary going to get mentioned? All right, there's Green Bay at 22. There's the Colts secondary, which has just been a, a, a an absolute tire fire the last few years at 23. Okay, a Jets at 26. Uh, a Saints secondary is horrible, horrible. 27, it's like, uh uh-oh, let's keep going. 30th, San Francisco secondary. I've heard of one guy back there, Eric Reed. Uh, That's it. The Bears at 31, and there it is. Your Detroit Lions. According to SportsOnEarth.com's Kenneth Arthur, dead last at number 32. Now, he lists the players in the secondary. Now, listen to this. Darius Slay. Tavon Wilson, Quinn Glover. That's how he writes it. Quinn Glover. Has his name wrong. DJ Hayden, Tease Tabor, Miles Killebrew, and Don Carey. No mention of Nevin Lawson. No mention of Quandre Tiggs. Can it really be this bad if Detroit made the playoffs last season? I say that it can. This is Arthur speaking. Despite a 9-7 and record, the Lions featured one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL, 32nd in DVOA. That's his metrics. And their biggest offseason move to improve the secondary was selecting rookie Tease Tabor, one of the slowest corners in the draft. Signing Hayden shouldn't give fans any comfort either. 
This was a horrible secondary in 2016, and Detroit decided the best course of action would be to keep it exactly the same. Uh, hold on a second here. Number one, Raphael Bush is gone. Number two, uh, Johnson Batamosi isn't even mentioned. Number three, number three, Asa Jackson is gone. Staying, they kept it exactly the same. Uh, they drafted a fifth-round cornerback in, in the kid from San Diego. They drafted a second-round cornerback, and they signed Kelvin, uh, excuse me, DJ Hayden. So they added three guys and subtracted a couple of scrubs, uh, including Asa Jackson. So, yeah, no, to say that the keep it the same, they used a second-round pick on Tease Tabor. They drafted two cornerbacks, Tabor and Agnew, like, they didn't keep it the same. So I thought this article was ridiculous. To say the Lions secondary isn't better than the Bears with Kyle Fuller, their shutdown corner, whom, oh, by the way, the Bears didn't pick up his fifth-year option. To say it's not as good as San Francisco's or the Browns secondary? You're, you're kidding me. The Browns. Come on now. With that overrated Joe Hayden, the Saints the Saints secondary has been bad for like 10 years. I'm sorry. I disagree with this piece wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. I'm not here to tell you that the Lions secondary is that great. And if you want to say the Lions linebackers are 32nd in the league, go right ahead. You're not going to get an argument from me. The Lions linebackers need a lot of work. But the secondary, no. Not 32nd. Not the worst in the NFL. I don't agree with that at all. At all. I mentioned it before. This is where we got the story from, from uh, sportsonearth.com. Jeremy Reisman does a great job at prideofdetroit.com. I think the best Lions blog out there gives me a few minutes here. What's up, Jer? Hey, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate the kind words as well. Oh, love Pride of Detroit. Love your tweets and uh, all the info you guys bring to the table. This article from Kenneth Arthur on Sports on Earth. Look, no, no one's saying the Lions secondary is Mel Blunt or... Rod Woodson or the old Steelers secondaries of the past or, or even Benny Blades and Ray Crockett, but the worst in the NFL? What did you think when you saw this? Uh, I, w- I was pretty shocked. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I understand that the Lions are going to get a lot of criticism for their defense, and rightfully so with the way they performed last year. But I think if you really watched the games, the secondary was kind of the least of their problems. They weren't really getting a pass rush, and their linebackers were really bad in coverage. And I think that's kind of where um, the confusion set in with, with this author. I think um, he kind of looks at the stats. He points out that the lines were 32nd in DVOA, Football Outsiders, kind of advanced metric for pass defense. And I think if you were watching the games, you saw that linebacker coverage had a lot more to do with it than their, their weak secondary. Yeah, if he wanted to say the Lions have the worst linebacker core in the league, I would praise him. <laughs> I would say, I, would, I mean, hopefully now it's not that Jared Davis is on board, but the, the Lions linebackers uh, last year were a dumpster fire. Secondary, any team that has a Darius Slay on it will, will, will shut down, I think, at least one side of the field. He's that good, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. And and another kind of puzzling thing about the article is that it said that the Lions decided the best course of action was to keep it exactly the same from last year. Which is kind of, I mean, how could you even say that? They spent a second-round pick on it, they spent a a fifth-round pick on it, and then they went out and got D.J. Hayden, too. Um, You might not like the pick of Tease Tabor or or D.J. Hayden in in free agency, but the Lions certainly did something to to change um, what maybe didn't work for them last year. 
You know, I'm talking to Jeremy Reisman from uh, prideofdetroit.com here on Lockdown Lions. It's interesting, Jeremy, because, you know, he's got the Niners secondary 30 at the Bears 31st. And here's a Chicago team where they say their best cornerback is Kyle Fuller, yet they didn't extend him past this season. They did not pick up his option, which the Lions did with Ebron. So if he's their best corner and he's on a one-year deal, I'm sorry, but the Lions have a better, uh, you know, uh, secondary than the Bears do. Yeah, I would completely agree. It, it doesn't show much faith in a guy if, if you're not picking up your fifth-year option uh, on a rookie deal. Um, so I, I think you're right. I think the Lions aren't even close to the worst in the division, and, and you could argue that the Lions' secondary is better than the Packers, too. I'm not sure where the Packers came in on his list. Looks like about 22. So, um, yeah, I, I the more I look at this article, the more it kind of is silly to me. But uh, I wanted to point it out just because sometimes it is important for Lions fans to get outside their own bubble and see what other teams think of them. What do you think of the, 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 the Tabor pick in the second round? And, you know, I look at it and I – I think Nevin Lawson's fine. I don't think he's a great player by any stretch, but sometimes it takes cornerbacks some time to develop. I think he's a decent player, and I think with a healthy digs and then Tabor in the mix, I, I hated the pickup of Hayden, and I know a lot of your Raider uh, uh, readers and, and people that are, are, are with you with Oakland thought he was god-awful, especially on the outside, but they're, they're not. I think they're much better than they were a year ago at cornerback, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm kind of with you there. Uh, when it comes to Nevin Lawson as well, I think I think that's his job to start the season. I, I think the Lions are probably going to take keys and and work him along slowly. There's no hurry. Um, Lawson did kind of get victimized by some great catches from wide receivers last year, but he was in good position for the majority of the season, really. So I think the Lions' goal this offseason was simply to get competition at all these. Um, positions and, and like you said DJ Hayden maybe not the best corner there on the free market but um, he's going to come in and he's going to challenge Quandre Diggs for that starting spot um, you know you, you could even if Nevin Lawson does somehow lose out to tease in, in training camp which I don't expect to happen Nevin Lawson could slide inside and play slot corner so the Lions just have a lot of options in case that injury bug hits them and I think that's where they want to be right now and I can't remember a time where you could say their third safety was as good as Miles Killebrew could be. And there were some times last year, Jared, I know you, you, you watch every game. He made some big plays on third downs to, to take the defense off the field. You know, to me, he, he's an up and comer. Absolutely. And, and with Raphael Bush kind of out of the picture now, you, you really expect Miles Killebrew to see a huge increase in snaps because it, it doesn't sound like much to be the third safety on a roster, but this is a team that uses that third safety quite a bit. Um, so you, I would be surprised if Kilbury wasn't getting around 40, maybe even 50% of the snaps on defense next year. And, and that's something that was also kind of um, left off of this list. I, I think, yeah, if Miles Kilbury can continue to, to build on what he did in 2016, which, like you said, was a really good third down um, defensive back, this, this defensive pairing could, could get even better in 2017. He also called him Quinn Glover. I mean, come on. He had his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's an odd name, but yeah. <laughs> hey, and, and here's the thing with Glover Quinn. On a, in a contract year, he, he may step, on, step up and play, you know, even better to the point where, you know, he could price himself out of, out of the Detroit market. I, I, would have no int- I would have no problem with Glover Quinn going into this year uh, on a contract year to kind of prove himself for that one last contract, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think there's probably an expectation of his 
play dropping off a little bit. But at the free safety position, um, speed and athleticism isn't really as important as smarts and, and veteran savvy, which you know Glover Quinn has in spades. So I wouldn't see, I wouldn't worry about too much of a drop off in talent. But but yeah, I, I think it is important to note that he is on that contract year, and um, I know he wants to finish his career in Detroit. We'll just uh, we'll just see if the, the cards play that way. Jeremy Reisman with me from prideofdetroit.com on Twitter at Pride of Detroit. Great Lions blog and uh, informational uh, outlet for you, the Lions fans. Check them out. All right. It sounds like, Jeremy, the the star of OTAs two weeks in is Kenny Galladay, the the wide receiver that the Lions took um, in in the third round. A lot of people were surprised he went there. But all, all indications point to this guy already getting off to a great start. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I have to say I'm, I'm excited to hear it. it. That was also one of the picks that I was kind of wishy-washy on. Um, it's still obviously very early, and I think the biggest concern with uh, with Galladay was his route running, and that's not something necessarily that you can pick up very easily on OTAs. But in terms of hands, in terms of size, in terms of leaping up to grab balls, he, he's apparently been the bell of the ball there at OTAs. Um, made some one-handed catch, it sounded like, today. Um, hasn't let a ball hit the floor, according to a couple of Lions beat writers. Um, in terms of what you can hear out of OTAs, basically only two practices in front of the media, um, he's done everything you can to impress everyone in Detroit, and that's got to be exciting to the Lions fans. No, I, I think it's a much-needed spot uh, for the Lions. With no Anquan Bolden, and if he ends up you know, going somewhere else late in training camp or signing elsewhere, that's... That was a security blanket that I really thought Matthew Stafford leaned on last year. That now I guess Eric Ebron is in that mix. How, how do you feel about that and and sort of a, a bigger stage for Ebron? Can he handle it? I think he can. Um, I think drops are just going to be something that Lions fans are going to have to deal with with a guy like him. Um, but don't, also, don't forget about Michael Roberts, the the tight end they picked up in the uh, in the fourth round. There, um, he was you know a, a red zone monster. Um, at, at, in college, so he's a guy that I think you're going to see a lot of uh, in, in a lot of red zone formations there, um, just to kind of help take the burden off of Ebron because Ebron really his skill set isn't just I think outside the, uh, the I'm sorry inside the red zone I think Ebron is a, is the kind of guy he's a good route runner where he can kind of tear up some yards up there in the middle of the field but once the Lions get deep there I'd, I'd expect uh, Michael Roberts to get a lot of play there. Final thing for Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. I want to ask you about Vegas picking the Lions right now in terms of odds to win the division uh, third. How, how much did that surprise you? And, and certainly no surprise Green Bay first. But uh, to me, with everything going on with Minnesota, quarterback uh, situation, defense losing a lot of guys, and, and Mike Zimmer not even there right now due to the eye surgery, I don't see them you know, going ahead of the Lions at least this season. Do you? It's it's tough for me. I wasn't that surprised for a couple of reasons. Just, uh, I mean, the Lions generally don't get a lot of respect from Vegas because they don't get a lot of respect from people around the country because they kind of have this negative stigma attached to them. Um, but I do kind of like Minnesota, to be honest. I think they are developing their team in the right way. Um, they're trying to really get that running game going, and that's kind of how Minnesota has all, always operated Um since Adrian Peterson was in town, obviously he's no longer in town, but um, they they did, you know, they got uh, the running back out of Oakland. They, they drafted one. So 
they're kind of coming back into that identity that saw them some early success um, a few years ago. And their defense, while they did lose a lot of guys to free agency, they are getting a lot back who were injured last year. So I think they're, I think this is going to be a three-way race for the NFC North, and I do think the Vikings are going to be a big part of that. Hey, with Sam Bradford, I just, you know, I, I can't, I can't embrace him. I think he's, you know, I, the Lions have a clear advantage at quarterback, and, and that might, that might be good enough to, to, to stay ahead of Minnesota one, one more year at least, and we'll, we'll see how, where that goes, you know. Yeah, and then also don't count out Teddy Bridgewater. He's he's there at OTAs. He's moving around yeah. pretty good. I've seen some video of it. I don't know if he's going to quite be ready at the beginning of the season, but uh, I wouldn't be completely surprised if he uh, if he wins over that starting job at some point this year. Jeremy, always a pleasure, man. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. Appreciate you having me, Matt. That's the man right there, Jeremy Reisman. Check him out at prideofdetroit.com and on Twitter at prideofdetroit. Uh, I really enjoy their their work uh, writing about the Lions each and every day and kind of mir- uh, mirroring what we do here on the podcast. And I will admit, I I, uh, I love to check out their stuff and use some of it, a lot of it, uh, on the show and always give them a lot of credit. They do a great job. That Lions blog is prideofdetroit.com. All right, if you agree or disagree with me on the Lions secondary and where they're ranked, We'd love to hear from you on Twitter at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks. We'll read some of those tweets tomorrow. And also comment on the Matt Derry Facebook fan page as well, as we'll do that uh, tomorrow here on Locked Online. Thanks to Jeremy Reisman from Pride of Detroit. Thank you for listening here on a Wednesday into a Thursday. We're turning the page to June right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Catalyst.